Hey Lab Rats, before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to take a brief moment to address our Central Florida Lab Rat fan base. We will be hosting our first ever live event over at Smash Comics and Games over in Sanford, Florida on July 28th. Uh, It's going to be a character building workshop, and we have a lot of fun stuff planned. We have a few giveaways, and we're also going to be having an appearance by Joshua Smith, who is the artist for the alternate cover for both Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Volo's Guide to Monsters. So we're super excited about that. If you want more information, head on over to our Facebook page. Uh, We have an event set up over there. We would really love to see you all out there. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast, with your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey guys, it's Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we're taking a look at the great, flavorful supplement for your game, The Hags Hexes, by Tim Bannock, one of our great friends here of the show, Matt Gravelin, Matt Butler, JVC Perry, and Janik Silicki. Now, while this supplement is mostly featuring new monsters, hags, and their curses, it also features some new items and a new race, the Changeling, that we'll be featuring today. Now, we've decided on a hag that'll be incorporated somehow into our PC's backstory, and three items from this supplement for our level three characters this week. Well, without further ado, Garen, why don't you go ahead and give us the story of your character this week? Glad to, Dan. My hag is a feathered hag, one of the most feared Hags in the hag world, uh, they tend to roost up in high mountains. They're very strong and they're very deadly. And changelings, as you may or may not be aware from folklore, are often switched out with human babies so that a fey creature may steal the human baby and raise it in the fey world. And the changeling is brought to the human world where often it is ornery, but the parents will still raise it on their own. Well, my changeling didn't exactly work out. He was a bit oblong, his shoulders too large, his arms too long, and he kept growing this greenish, blackish kind of gunk around his nose and his ears and his eyes. So the moment he was switched out, the parents knew there was something wrong, and they went to a seer. They didn't just think he needed to blow his nose? I mean, it was everywhere. It wasn't conjunctivitis. This was real funky. Oh. And he wasn't a perfect match for their baby because of the, uh, the weird upper body thing he had going on. So the seer that they consulted, you know, told them what was up and they went to the fae creatures in the fae wild and they said, take this kid back. This isn't our kid. We want our kid back. And the fae creatures didn't want to bring any heat down on their heads. So the hags made this feathered hag do the swap back. They gave back the human and this hag who stuck with this changeling who was no good, just kind of cast him aside and made him do menial labor for her around her cave. He eventually became a guardian for the cave and she called him Mushroom Cave Boy, but he called himself by his name, which was supposed to be his human name if it had ever worked out, which was Draven. So, Draven. Draven. So Mushroom Cave Boy or Draven is the guard for the Feathered Hag's castle, and the cave entrance is surrounded by mushrooms that have come to grow from Draven's body. And as we meet him today, 
he is supposed to be delivering three items, three gifts to a rival hag, which are payment as his hag, his feathered hag, she destroyed the entire other coven. So this is her way of saying, I'm kind of sorry and here's some shit. I want you to meet Draven, the level three druid circle of the spores changeling. Ooh. Now, uh, I must say, Draven does sound like a hit hip hop artist of the <laughs> of Faerun. Did you hear that new Draven album though? <laughs> it, it's so lit. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Sue Ellen. When Sue Ellen Very was formal. born, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sue Ellen was born to an Eladrin of the Spring, a single mother named Therme. Therme knew that she was not able to care for her child the moment she found out that she was pregnant. On the run from the law for killing her late human husband, an episode she cannot recall but is believed to have been done through fey magic, Therme had to think on her feet. She did not want this life for her daughter. Therme knew of a giant gingerbread house in the Genica Forest just outside Summer Gardens. Shout out to Midgard, that's the world using cobalt press supplements, where children flock to. She figured whomever lives there must be a generous, kind person who has an affinity and love for children. With very few options and needing to remain swift in her fleeing of the Midgard, Therme left Sue Ellen at the doorstep of the gingerbread house along with a pendant of a blooming flower. Little did Therme know, however, that who resided within was not a beautiful young woman with glowing blonde hair and a welcoming smile. No, no, that was merely who she appeared to be. Instead, she was a vicious candy hag who, upon discovering Sue Ellen at her doorstep, was immediately inclined to do what she does to all children, throw them in the oven. The wicked hag picked up Sue Ellen and prepared to bake her when she noticed the pendant in Sue Ellen's blanket. The hag recognized that this pendant possessed the potent powers of the Feywild, but she was uncertain how to use it. The hag had spared little Sue Ellen's life, making a bargain on her behalf. She removed Sue Ellen's eye, replacing it with an eye that she can also see through, so that she may assist Sue Ellen in finding her mother to bring her back to the hag that, so that she may torture her and harness her powerful magic of the Feywild. Sue Ellen is now eight years old, but she is well aware of her mission as the hag has a direct feed into Sue Ellen's subconsciousness. Trained in the short bow as well as the arts of deception and persuasion, Sue Ellen is accompanied by four gingerbread thieves as they embark out on their mission to lure Therme back to Sue Ellen in a tearful embrace with the mission of capturing her and bringing her back to the candy candy hag herself. Let me introduce you to Sue Ellen, the half-elf, level three, mastermind rogue of the Outlander background. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, your guy had an army of mechanical kobolds, and now your changeling girl has a small army of gingerbread men. Hashtag subtle cheating. <laughs> you should get Matt Mercer to do the voice of the gingerbread men, because he definitely did that in a Marvel Christmas-themed episode. Yeah, getting Matt Mercer, we're tight, so no problem. No problem. Should, no problem. We'll add his voice in post. Matt, can we pay you in old dice? <laughs> what about in bonus episodes <laughs> hey hey matt would you like a pdf of jamay jr's horde of horses because no one else does <laughs> all right well great i love i love your very heavy dark curse themed character you have there dan but you know what is great at keeping these curses at bay what's that cantrip candles they're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, tanneries, dungeons full of treasure, or one of my personal favorite, Cosgrave Leatherworks, which offers sweet, spicy, smoky notes of leather and clove. Great to use when your party is perusing through the merchant village or outfitter. 
But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventure settings in their sampler pack, which offer all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping. Once you decide you want to buy every single one of them, we're happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. If you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Garen, for that message. And Cantrip Candles. Very excited about that new coupon code. Again, that's LABRAT for 10% off. Now That's just us, guys. We're the only ones got that coupon. Hashtag Coop Life. <laughs> so allow me to... Go ahead and start us off in the melee category. Uh, I'm arguing a zero here. I have a plus four to hit. I have daggers, which deal out 1d4 plus two. And her gingerbread counterparts also have candy swords. And they do most of the hand-to-hand -hand combat as Sue Ellen is still just a child no, after all. No, no. No, we're She's not talking just, gingerbread candy swords. Just a, just a babe. Now, I will tell you, these gingerbread uh, soldiers, they are in the book. This is fair game. Oh, jeez. I didn't make them up. <laughs> You got stats. I know that, but okay. You said a zero? A zero. It's level uh, three. Yeah, but you just said a dagger. I mean, come on. That's yeah. a minus one. Two two attacks with those daggers. Okay. Yeah. You can have a zero. What do you what do you got, big shot? I'm arguing a plus one because I have a sickle, which is a one D four plus three. Do you have a sickle or you don't? No, I have a sickle. But I'm just saying I'm saying it like a question because it's not a very impressive weapon. It's basically a crooked dagger, but cooler looking. <laughs> it is. And you know what? I think this is the first time we've used a sickle, so I'll give you the plus one. It's better than a dagger. Great. I can also become a wolf because I'm a druid. <laughs> Minor detail. Okay. So where are you in the ranged category? Ranged? I'm already busting out one of my magical items. This is called the Cyclops Skull, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a skull that's used in croquet in the hag world. This is a very oh. rare item. With a plus 9 to hit on range with 30 feet, maximum 120 feet. And the damage on that is 4d10 plus 6 bludgeoning. Oh, ouch. So this boy with the long arms and giant shoulders just lobs this baby. Just busts your face wide open with that. Maybe if he throws it hard enough, he knocks off their head and replaces it with the skull momentarily before he has to go recover it. That's a spicy meatball. What are you arguing here again? I will take a plus one. Okay, you can have your plus one. I'm arguing a plus two. Plus four to hit. Short bow. 1d6 plus two. And I have that sneak attack for an extra 1d6. Ooh. I know we're level three, but you only have one attack. Yes. And sneak attack is kind of circumstantial. Do you have any features for your rogue class that gives you a higher chance of sneak attack damage? No. Negatory. Then I think this is a plus one. Fair enough. This is going to be very easy. I'm going to take a negative two here in burninating as I have no spells. All right. Well, I do have a little bit of spell action. I'm going to start off with one of my one of my favorite features for, I think, any druid class at all is symbiotic entity, which is this circle of spores feature where you can use your wild shape to awaken the spores that grow on your body. So instead of transforming, you gain three temporary hit points per level. So that's nine. And the damage of your Halo of Spore features double, which I should now explain. You launch toxic spores at other creatures. You use your reaction on your turn to deal three poison damage to one creature you can see within 10 feet. So now, if I use Symbiotic Entity, I gain 9 HP, which is pretty significant considering I have 24. And I'm dealing 6 damage as a reaction. 
Also, my melee attacks deal an additional 1d6 poison damage on a hit. Now, listeners, if you uh, are wondering why I'm not reacting, I am well familiar with the Circle of Spores druid. It is another unearthed arcana treasure. So Garen apparently did not get the memo that that episode was last week, but I do have a fond love for this little gem here. I know this was last week, but this character just all kind of came together for me, and I felt like he had to be a mushroom boy. I'm not going to hate on it, because this is it's a very cool druid subclass that I would be more than happy to play. So we're in agreement. That's a plus two for burninating. I also have chill touch. Yeah, I think you're worthy of a plus two. At, at level three, you know, you're not a sorcerer by any means, but you're dealing out some pretty significant damage. Just a quick recap there. That's a 1d4 plus three plus 1d6 poison damage on one of my sickle attacks. And then on my off turn, I can deal an additional six damage just because. It's not yeah. even a roll to hit kind of thing, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I do like that. So how controlling are you? I got a couple nice little control features. I have Earth Tremor, which you know is a spell that can knock the opponents down. And I also have Ray of, Enfeeble Ray of Enfeeblement, which is a I'm spell sorry. that can... Can you can you repeat that? What was it? Ray of Enfeeblement. First time it sounded like Ray of Enfeeblement. It helps if you say it like Ray Romano. <laughs> Ray of Enfeeblement! <laughs> <laughs> so those are my two features there. I would be, I'd be willing to accept a zero without any complaint. Yeah, I mean it's it's something. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that. I will go with a plus one for my control. So I have a trait of the Outlander background called Wanderer, which gives me excellent memory for maps and geography. I can always recall the general layout of terrain, settlements, and other features around me. In addition, I can find food and fresh water for myself and up to five other people each day, provided that the land offers berries, small game, water, and so forth. Basically, this really comes in handy while I'm looking for my mom so that I can lure her back to the hag and do some really cruel stuff, I at least know where I've already looked. And I can mm -hmm. keep my gingerbread boys nice and soft, you know, and moist. You got to keep, like, the <laughs> gingerbread cake moist by giving them water regularly. So that's important. I also have fey ancestry, which gives me advantage on saving throws against being charmed, and magic cannot put me to sleep. Yes, also... we both have that. Okay. I also have plus six to sleight of hand checks, plus seven to persuasion, plus five to deception, plus four to stealth. And then, of course, I have the bargain that I used here from the supplement, the hag's hexes. This hag will offer to help any creature who appears to be strong and capable find an archaic and powerful fey item or weapon, which I think is rather controlling. And I can speak six languages. I think that is worthy of a plus one. You really just tried to throw a lot of stuff at me to make that sound more impressive than it was. Because really what you have is your skills, your background feature, and the last thing you said. What matters is I have more than you do, and it's a plus one. You do, No, I'm going to give you credit for the fact that that was a very clever way of packaging all of that. So yes, I will agree that you have a plus one, but I think fate is going to be on my side here, and I'm going to make you roll, and I think you're going to fail this roll because you know in your heart that this is still not a great That's category okay, for because you. all you're really doing is just telling me that I should switch career paths into marketing, because I almost <laughs> sold you. I rolled right. a 14, and my charisma is a plus three. So that's 17. Oh. I'll take the plus one. Uh, let me go into tankiness. I'm already going to plus one here. This might be a stretch. I have an AC of 13 and 21 HP, but I do have cunning action. And she is also surrounded by four gingerbread thieves, 
which again are featured in this supplement's bestiary, no. and they each have ah da, da, they each have 21 HP and an AC of 17. That ain't nothing. They're just gonna go down like wheat under the sickle of Draven. Oh, the the sickle's gonna bring them down, is it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What, what kind of damage does that deal out? That's a 1d4 plus three. 1d4 plus three. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I will give you a zero, and that's being generous. Oh, no, no, no. The the gingerbread boys are the items I used from this supplement. Dan, we've played the game. We've been in combat. Very rarely can you cluster around something to prevent enemies from being able to get to it. Now, I argue that we all have played the sorcerer or the wizard that has to stay in the rear of the pack. So you have your barb, your cleric right up in the front taking the damage, the monk dealing out the damage in melee combat. You've got your sorcerer, ranger, and wizard in the back dealing out ranged combat. I will not back down. That That is a totally feasible alignment. Okay, but these are not barbarians and clerics. These are delicious holiday treat men. Delicious holiday treat men that have an AC of 17 and candy swords. I'm not backing down. This is a plus one. AC of 13, 21 HP, but then surrounded by four of my best, most tasty little friends at 21 HP and 17 AC. I'll give you a plus one if I get a plus two because I have the symbiotic temporary HP. I have wild shape and I can also cast bark skin on myself, which yeah. brings my AC up to a 16 from a 13 and I have 24 hit points. Yeah, you're going to get a plus two. You're a druid. Wild shape alone at level three just sets you over the top. You got a little heated on that one. Those are the items I used from the supplement. Those guys, they got to count for something. How do you help your friends? Before we get into ally assist, I would like to take a moment to explain how you, the listeners, can help the D&D Character Lab. Have you checked out our Patreon? I mean, we have tiers that start at $1 and move all the way up to $20. We got that Discord that you can chat with us, which people are doing on a daily basis. We're having fun. We're making friends, some of them in Australia. Shout out to our Australia boys. We are creating pop culture characters together twice a month and publishing that just for our Patreon supporters. We have bonus episodes twice a month, early access to our regular show, and you can even name our characters. And our patrons have been having lab battles on the regular lately. It's getting heated, it's a lot of fun. We all get on Discord and listen to them battle it out, and it's all pride on the line. For more details on that, be sure to check out patreon.com slash D&D Character Lab. Now, Draven, being just a cave guard boy, doesn't socialize a lot, but he's got a couple of things to offer should he get welcomed into a party. He can create or destroy water, which I think is a very underutilized spell because you could create water, which is very necessary, especially if you're in the jungles of Chult and water is dire. You could destroy water if somebody hates water, like if your friend is the witch from Wizard of Oz. He also has fine traps as a spell and gentle repose. These things, together, they're okay. I will take a zero. <laughs> that was honest. A rare moment of honesty from you, Garrett. Yes, you could take your zero. I'm also marking a zero. I have Master of Tactics, which allows me to use the help action as a bonus action. And additionally, when I use the help action to aid an ally in attacking a creature, the target of the attack can be within 30 feet rather than 5 feet if the target can see or hear you. Okay. So just the one thing, though. Yep. But, you know, this is a pretty interesting feature. It's nice that they did something with the help action, so I do like that. What kind of help would you be offering? I think this is, again, going back to how the party would be structured out on our little hunt out there. I would be in the back, you know, say maybe 15 feet away from my boys who are up on the front lines taking care of the big bads. I would cast the help action, give them advantage on their attack from the combatant who is 
an additional maybe five feet away. Instead of being right next to my boys and having to help them, I can be 30 feet away. So this plays back into you always hanging back with your short bow. I'm eight years old. But you're very confident, and you're trying to kill your mother, so all bets are off I'm not. I'm not trying to kill her. That you're was trying to not bring her the... back to be tortured. That's right. You remember she, what happened? She dropped me off at a hag's house, though. I mean, yes, you have more excuse than Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son does, but other than that, you're basically <laughs> on the same level right now. And Draven is Elijah Wood. They're going to pick him at the end. You're getting your zero if there was any question about it. I don't know. Thank you so much. I uh, just wanted to make conversation. <laughs> moving moving into balance. This is a negative one. Not, <laughs> not very balanced. Strength of nine, dex of 15, con of eight, intelligence of eight, wisdom of eight, charisma of 17. Just so many really low numbers there. Proficiency in dex and intelligence, athletics, deception, intimi- intimidation, persuasion, sleight of hand, stealth, and survival. AC of 13 with 21 hit points. I just don't see this as a very balanced character. I'm pretty sure any ability check that you're going to roll, you're going to have to subtract something from, including a wisdom saving throw where you would have to subtract four. Wow. Passive perception of six. I mean, mean, she's walking through the forest with her head in the clouds. She's surrounded by gingerbread men, so it's understandable, but... You know, Dan, here was my thought process for a moment there. Coming into this category, I was also going to argue a negative one. Then you listed your category, and I thought to myself, (laughs) I deserve a zero. This is definitely a negative one. Then I thought, you have very successfully built an eight-year-old child. Yeah. This is a high charisma because who doesn't love a kid? Yeah, and she was raised by a hag, like the most deceptive of foes. Yeah, she knows how to manipulate people. I think this is at least a zero because this is definitely an eight-year-old kid, these numbers you've, you've rattled off. Okay, then I'll take it. Doesn't have to be optimized. I will also take a zero. I have a strength of 16, dex of 15, con of 10, intelligence of 8, wisdom of 11, which is, of course, my spellcasting modifier, and charisma of 14. My justification for this build was that, as I mentioned, he had those big arms and shoulders, so I made him kind of a physical creature, and he hasn't had a chance to improve on his wisdom at all because the Feathered Hag is not interested in his development. He's just a, a tool, a servant around the place he doesn't really have any training or ability to grow okay okay you can have your zero great well now we are moving into the smooth operator category and this week it has been submitted by gabe from inner party conflict who is one of our ten dollar patrons and it reads a dragon has some peasants in its horde and you have been hired to rescue them how do you distract the dragon i would first use my item grandmother ursula's scale which is a magical scale that you place upon your body and it allows you to perform a perfect casting of disguise self, completely indiscernible, except for the fact that the scale must be visible on your body at all times for the spell to work. Doesn't say where, but it has to be visible. I would change myself to look like a dragonborn of the type of this dragon. Let's say it's a green dragon. So now I make myself into a green dragonborn and I approach him and I say, Wonderful news. You don't need these peasants because I have got the tool for you. Have you seen this magical cyclops skull? If you throw this thing and bring it back, it'll sprout into a tree that grows people that you can feast on for the rest of your days. You seem to have an excellent taste for human flesh. What you have to do is play fetch with this skull d20 times. Let me roll the die and just see what the d20 is. 14 times I throw it, you bring it back, 
it'll sprout into a tree. So with my plus four to deception. I feel like this is very much not smooth. If somebody was like, hey, here's a Cyclops skull. Or no, I'm going to throw it and you have to go catch it and retrieve it. 14 times I'd be like, uh, yeah, sorry. It's like the guys that come up to you at the mall with like the lotion and they're like, it has botanicals. And you're like, no, really, thank you. That's fine. Throw this 14 times. No, I mean, really, I'm okay. Thanks. Not smooth. I have one more thing to put this over the top. Not only do I have a plus four to my deception to convince him of this, but I have druid craft so I can actually make it sprout flowers to look like it's working as we're playing fetch. That I like. See? I had a plan. I am arguing a plus two because who cares? (laughs) No, I don't think it's a plus two. I think think the overall story is a zero or one. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What if I get a high deception check? Yeah, yeah, yeah. DC, uh, what are you're convincing a? Oh, you're convincing a dragon. Yeah, DC seventeen. Go for it. Here it is with a plus four. I'm I got this. I rolled a five, so that's a nine. Not gonna work. I'll take a one. <laughs> yeah, you get a zero. Okay. I said a zero or one. You lost. You get a zero. Uh, all right. All right. So what I would do, I'd use my plus five to deception, to start. Just welling up tears, going up to the dragon, just welling up tears and say, I don't, I don't know where my mommy is. I'm lost. I'm lost. And then as that's going on behind me, the gingerbread men are doing a choreographed Radio City dance hall rockets kick line. How are these two things related? It's extraordinarily distracting. There's a lot to think about. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there is a child that has oh. lost her mother, and then there is a kick line of gingerbread men in the background. Meanwhile, one of them, while I'm welling up tears and I'm just like, "Please, you have to help me," and he's he's like, "Oh, there's a lot going on." One of the gingerbread men ventures off and rescues some of the peasants from the horde. Although I don't see these so uh, is- evil gingerbread men doing any of that, so that's the best I have. So you're using the the kitchen sink maneuver. No, I mean, I would also, in the meantime, as a bonus action, use my Master of Tactics and help the gingerbread man pull that off. Let's see that performance check on that kick line, though. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the stat is. Hang on. I'm actually going to look this up because I think that's funny. Okay, so they have a plus two to charisma, and their charming is just hell. So I rolled a six. So they're, they're (laughs) they're putting on a real shitty show. But, you know, I mean, what does it take? There's four gingerbread men. I mean, really, how good does the show have to be? So with a six, one of their legs might break off mid-kick. Yeah, which makes it even it goes, more distracting. It goes sailing into the dragon's eye. The dragon's like, oh, now I got to go get that. And he's like, oh, it's delicious. And he might actually eat it. I'm arguing a plus one. <laughs> I'll give you a plus one for kick line dancing. Yeah. All right, perfect. Okay, so now I'm going to move into spitting fire. I'm just going to have these four gingerbread thieves just approach the dragon they're smelling like warm fresh cookies right and they'll just like go up to the dragon and like lay next to him just just wafting of just this wonderful smell right naturally dragons gotta eat dragons love cookies man he goes to pick up one of the cookies and he takes four 1d6 fire damage because these gingerbread thieves have a feature called red hot heart which at the center of every gingerbread thief is an unholy fire the fire makes the gingerbread (laughs) thief very hot to the touch and any creature attempting to touch it takes four d6 fire damage that is how i would aggressively handle this i think that's worthy of a minus one that's pretty wacky yes so the all the all the time you can never touch these cookies can never touch a cookie can't touch the cookie What do you do? I approach 
with cookies in my hand. Oh, I already I, did the cookie approach. <laughs> not gingerbread cookies. These are delicious snickerdoodles. That's the arch nemesis of the gingerbread cookie. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. I approach the dragon and I say, hey, look at these. Look at these fucks you got here. This looks like a great group. Man, I hope you're going to feast on these guys pretty soon. But you know what you should do? Eat your dessert first. Everyone's always saying save your dessert for last. But what if you get too full from eating peasants? Then you don't get to eat these delicious cookies. Have these cookies. So he eats the cookies. And then I immediately pop off three thunder waves at him. So he uses up all three of his legendary resistances resisting that thunder wave because he doesn't want to be pushed away from these peasants he's attacking, right? Right. Well, he's not attacking them. He's more just hoarding them. Sure. Then I shapeshift, and as he's chasing me down, the cookies metabolize in his guts, and they take effect. And he has to roll a DC 14 con save, no longer able to do a free save. And when he fails, because fate will be on my side, these hallucinogenic cookies take effect. And he becomes intoxicated, where everything seems harsher and louder. He is poisoned, and he's frightened for the next hour. And the source of fear is all creatures. So he becomes afraid of his own captives and runs away from them. Not bad. That's my third item. I'm arguing a plus two for mushroom cookies because I'm mushroom boy. I like the theming. I like the deception. Yes. So we had two spitting fire scenarios, both involving cookies. I think that's a first, maybe a last. Well, no, that's not the last. That's not the first either. We had a spitting fire cookie scenario. We did. We had a scenario involving cookies, and but we brought our own cookies to the table this time. We did. It was a we cookie brought our potluck. It, this was a cookie party, so let's move on to the X factor. I will tell you. I have to be honest. This borders on uh, one of my Monster Lab creations. There's not a whole heck of a lot of depth to the character as far as ability goes, and really all about one thing. Only good at a few specific things. However, I will say it was a fun build to theme around. As uh, as soon as I read the supplement, I knew what I wanted to do. I saw that candy hag. And I saw that the hag had that different bargains and, and curses. And, and the finding bargain, for the record, reads as such, it can be made with any hag with a layer of at least four minions, thus the gingerbread thieves. Hags acquire an extensive collection of knowledge over their long lives, but rarely have the ability to act on it due to their solitary nature. The hag will offer up any creature who appears strong and capable of, to find an archaic and powerful fey item or weapon. The only thing she asks for in return is the creature's eye. The hag promises to replace the eye with one of her own making that she can see and communicate through. In this way, she can guide the creature through various obstacles and ensure that the artifact is found. Once the mission is complete, she'll keep the creature's original eye as payment and, can, and the two can part ways. Now, mind you, I don't think this hag would do that. I reskinned it a little bit so that she was looking to increase her powers and she wanted her to, you know, hunt down her mom. This is a very specific build, but it was, it was fun. I think I would, in-game, give my eye for that. Pretty neat. I would absolutely play a Circle of Spores Druid. This guy is not the ideal build for it, but it is a fun class. I like the theming. I like being able to be a fey creature, so I do enjoy Draven. I could see myself playing this in a one-shot and having a great time. I've always been tempted to bring Circles of Spores into the lab, and I'm, I'm happy that you finally did. Great Druid subclass. A uh, little bit of dark theming to it, so a lot of fun. But without further ado, Garen... Who takes it all home this week and who goes home hexed? What do you think, Dan? I think I lost pitifully. <laughs> you did lose nine to one. Yeah, I thought I did. <laughs> but you had a really fun you had a really fun uh, set of skills that you brought to the table this time, drawing from this supplement, which was 
really kind of a, a departure from the other stuff that we normally feature, because as we mentioned at the beginning, not totally PC focused in the book, actually a much more DM focused, but a lot of great stuff in here. And we would really recommend you guys pick this one up. Yeah, like I had mentioned before, there's actually a bestiary in here of uh, like little minions that would accompany uh, a hag. So a lot of just really cool content in here, a lot of little tools like these curses and bargains that you can throw into your game don't even necessarily have to be associated with a hag, but I think thematically quite appropriate. So, Well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, we have some things that we want to talk to you about that have come out of the lab or will be soon. Number one, we made a Bard College of Throwing which is a yo-yo weapon subclass. We mentioned this before, but it is up there on DMs Guild. It is pay what you want, so you can download it for free, and it does have some yo-yos as magical items also that you can equip that character or any character with. We got our other supplements, Murph's Mask Shop, Microbes of Malice, Consequences for PC Resting Choices, Jemay Jr.'s Horde of Horses, and Wombo's Guide to Combos. All of our titles are apparently a mouthful. Number three, our Patreon. Last month, we featured Free Sample Friday, where everyone got to experience the lush life of a $5 patron donor. And those options are still available to you. If you go to our Patreon, you can scroll back to the beginning of June, and you could get a free episode of Fight Club and look at our collab creation where we made a monk subclass based on Deadpool. We also frequently are featuring free stuff up there on our Patreon. When we come up with something fun, like a race of Fraggles from Fraggle Rock, if you want to play as a Fraggle, that's up there in a PDF that you can just download and bring to your table. Yeah, now that our website is defunct, uh, we do use our Patreon just to put out fun little content, and we do do that as free. So no pressure, but we would love it if you just take a look around our Patreon, and if you felt so compelled to donate to our show, we would be eternally grateful without the bargain. Now, that's some uh, pretty great stuff that we have coming along, but I'd also like to mention that we've had a lot of creators and publishers of the D&D community reach out to us lately about featuring their content on our show. If you, too, would like your content featured on our show, feel free to shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to get back to you as soon as we can. And that about wraps it up for this week, Lab Rats. And just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you for listening, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.